I really enjoy shows that are about uh, restoration. So whether that's shows that are about renovating houses or interior decorating, there's something really, really inspiring about seeing someone do some work and kind of restore something really, really well. Or whether that's about cars being restored. And uh, there's a couple of shows on Netflix that I've started watching. One in particular where there's this guy who owns like 200 old cars that are all just kind of broken down and in his lot. Uh, and so the show is about him gradually restoring all of those cars, which is really, really amazing. And it's always been a big dream of mine to restore a car. And uh, a long, long time ago, I bought this amazing car, my fabulous blue Mini, uh, which we're going to see a photo of. There we go. Look at it. What a glorious little car that was. And uh, I had all these hopes and dreams about this car. I was going to sand it back completely. I was going to paint it this real cherry red colour. I was going to restore the engine and put a new engine in it. I'd even arranged for another Mini that I was going to buy, which I was going to use for spare parts so that I could kind of take the best parts from both and make this amazing car. None of that happened. None at all. <laughs> I had this car for about three or six months and uh, it broke down consistently and drove me crazy. And so I ended up selling it, which I'm kicking myself for now because I'm pretty sure I sold it for $600. And I'm 100% sure that car's worth a lot more than $600 now. So I hope that someone else bought our little Smurf car and uh, fixed it up and did something really, really good with it. Um, but it's always been this dream that I know is probably never, ever going to happen because I just don't have the patience or the diligence to put the work in to be able to do it. Today we're finishing our epic series. We've spent all of this term talking through God's big story and being able to understand this story that unfolds throughout the pages of Scripture and the ways in which that then impacts our identity and our sense of purpose and the priorities that we have in our lives. And so here's a recap of everything that we've covered in God's big story. We began with episode one, Designed where we started by talking about how we were created for a purpose, that God had a reason why he created us, and that reason was for us to live in a full, complete relationship with him, to live in a full, complete relationship with the people around us, and to live at peace with his creation. And we've used that word peace throughout this series to say that's what God's original design was for us, to live at peace with a sense of wholeness, a sense of completeness, life the way that it's supposed to be. That's what we said God's original design was. In episode two, Broken, we recognise though that God gave us a choice about whether we lived his way or whether we chose to walk away from God's best. And as humanity, we said thanks but no thanks and we walked away from God's best. And when we choose selfishness, we recognise that that introduces brokenness into our experience. Brokenness in our relationship with God, brokenness in our relationship with other people, brokenness in our relationship with creation, and even brokenness in our relationship with ourselves. That shame is introduced when we start to talk about the impact of selfishness that leads to brokenness. However, God didn't give up on us, even though we walked away from his best. In episode three, Expectant, we talked about how God chose a group of people, this massive extended family that became the nation of Israel, to walk with them, to try and help them understand what his original creation and his original design was all about, how to live in a full relationship with him, with each other, and how to look after the world. But as the story of the Old Testament unfolds, we see a group of people who consistently do the same thing, say thanks but no thanks to God's best and instead choose to go their own way and chase after all of these other things instead. But through the story of the Old Testament, we also see this growing expectation 
that at just the right time, someone's going to come along, this person called the Messiah or the Rescuer, the Saviour, who's going to come along and restore a right, full, complete relationship with God. And so episode four was called Presence, where we recognise that Jesus comes to bring the presence of God amongst us. Jesus comes to show us what God is like, but also to show us how to live by that original design. And then in episode five, Satisfied, we recognise that Jesus also came to do everything necessary for that restoration to happen. That Jesus came to restore that relationship with God. And through his death on the cross, the sacrifice has been made. That means that that brokenness has been dealt with once and for all. The price has been paid for all of the choices that we make that aren't aligned with God's best. And what we recognised out of that is that this means we don't have to strive. That now that Jesus has done everything necessary for us, our lives are not about trying hard enough to earn God's love and God's favour, but it's all been done for us. And so we can live out of this amazing relationship that's been given to us as a gift. And so last week, episode six, we talked about mission, that we all now have a role to play in this amazing story that has unfolded around us that we have the opportunity now to help other people to discover this story. And we talked about working as agents of restoration, agents of reconciliation, and being peace creators, people who help other people to experience the peace that God has always wanted for us. With this key message, become friends with God because he's already a friend with you. And so I've mentioned throughout the series that if you missed any of those or you want to recap them, you can go and have a listen to them on our website or our Facebook page or through our podcast. And I also want to just say it's a really great resource to keep in mind too that if you're having a conversation with someone, whether that's a friend, a neighbour, someone at work, someone in your family, and you're talking a little bit about what we focus on here at Brooklyn Park, our messages are a really great way of them kind of getting a bit of a peek inside who we are. And this series in particular will be one to just keep in the back of your mind that if you get into a conversation with someone about what it is that's at the core of what we believe, it's a great way to be able to say, well, you can go to our website and you can listen to our messages. And so rather than feeling threatened and intimidated by having to come along to a service as their first opportunity to find out what we're about, listening to our messages online helps them to catch a little bit of a sense of what we're like, hopefully that they can see that we talk about things that make sense and that are relevant and helpful for them, which may then mean that they are interested in coming along. So don't forget that you can use that as a tool at any time. So last week we said that the story continues to unfold, that God's story is not actually finished and we are a part of helping to see where that story is going to go, that God includes us. This isn't a story that kind of was happened historically and now it's all finished and we just refer back to it. God's story continues to unfold around us. And the big question is, for how long? And none of us know the answer to that. We don't know how much longer God's story is going to continue to unfold. And this is something that we want to be a little bit careful about because sometimes we can think things like, man, I hope Jesus comes back tomorrow so that we can all just have the end of this story and we can experience what God's got for us. And that's a reasonable thing for us to think. And normally that's expressed out of a sense of sadness about the brokenness that's around us, the pain that people experience, and just a yearning to experience what God's got for us, which is fair enough. But I remember being challenged years and years ago about what if that doesn't happen? What if in actual fact Jesus doesn't come back for another 10,000 years? Which is kind of confronting and challenging. 
And it's good for us to think about that because in the early church, the first generation after Jesus' death and resurrection, they had an expectation that Jesus was going to come back before they died. The early church's genuine expectation, if you read some of the things that are in Scripture, is that Jesus was going to return within about 30 or 40 years and this restoration would happen. So think about that. (laughs) We're now 2,000 years on from that and that hasn't happened yet. And so we look back on the early church now and say, well, they were still working things out. What if we're actually still a part of the early church as well? And what if Jesus isn't planning on coming back for quite some time? And God's going to continue to write the story through us and what we're doing right here that feeds into that. Nobody knows, maybe that Jesus comes back soon, but it may be that he doesn't. So it's a good challenge for us to be able to say, how are we helping God's story to be written regardless of when Jesus is going to come back. However, we do know what the end of the story is, and that's what our focus is today. Episode 7 is called Restored, and the tagline is that we can see brokenness turned into beauty. That our belief and our understanding is that at the end of time, whenever that is going to happen, creation is going to be restored to its original design that there is a day that's going to come where we will get to live in a full, complete relationship with God, with other people, and we will get to live at peace with God's creation. And there's something really beautiful about that picture. We talked about it at the beginning. There's something really amazing about the idea of something that was this original design that's become broken down and fractured, but then is put back together. There's something even more beautiful about the restoration that happens, whether that is a house that gets restored, whether it's a piece of furniture that gets restored, whether it's a car that gets restored. There's almost something more beautiful about all the time and energy and passion and heart that goes into restoring that thing than what it was originally. And that's our understanding about what God is doing in us and is going to do, this amazing, beautiful restoration project that takes the brokenness and turns it into something even more beautiful. At State Youth Games this year, which a number of our students went along to, uh, the the speaker there talked about this idea of restoration from brokenness using uh, something called Japanese kintsugi. And so this is this beautiful thing where in Japan what they do is that instead of taking something that gets broken, like a piece of pottery or a kettle or something like that that breaks, instead of trying to glue that together so you can't see any of the brokenness, They intentionally use gold glue almost to highlight the cracks, but it turns into something that's even more rich and even more beautiful. And these things are worth thousands and thousands of dollars because of, again, the energy, the heart, the passion that's put into it. It's the same idea that we're talking about, taking something that's broken and restoring it into something even more beautiful. That's what we understand God is going to do at the end of all time. But as we're going to focus on today, that's not just something we have to wait for. That's something we have the privilege of being able to participate in in the here and now. And so you have your teaching notes inside of Caring Connection, so you can jot things down as we go through. The other thing I want to remind you is about our Q&A sheets. And so today's the last day for us to capture questions throughout this series. And we started out really, really well. I was actually a little bit scared because in the first couple of weeks, we got lots and lots and lots of questions about this series, which was fantastic. Since then, it's kind of all dropped away, uh, which either means that everything's been clearly articulated and explained so well that there are no questions, 
I don't think that's the case. <laughs> or it just means we haven't got around to writing down questions. And so I want you to pull that Q&A sheet out and to have it with you throughout today's message so that at the end of the service you can jot down any other questions that you've got left for our Q&A Sundays. And I do suspect that as we go through today's message, there may be some things that come up for you, and so feel free to jot those down and then drop them off in the box at the end of the service. So, the end of the story, as we read earlier from Revelation 21. So this is, Revelation is the last book of the Bible. Chapter 21 is almost the last chapter of the Bible. And this is the picture that's painted for us. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth disappeared and the sea vanished. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared and ready like a bride dressed to meet her husband. I heard a loud voice speaking from the throne. Now God's home is with people. He will live with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and he will be their God. He will wipe away all tears from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no more grief or crying or pain. The old things have disappeared. And the message translation of this paints it even more beautifully. And so we're going to look at the last couple of verses. And as we do, I want you to see, is there anything that kind of jumps out at you as we look at this picture? Look, look, God has moved into the neighbourhood, making his home with men and women. They're his people, he's their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good. Tears, gone. Crying, gone. Pain, gone. All the first order of things, gone. It's this beautiful picture, isn't it? I love this idea of thinking about God moving into the neighbourhood. The idea of us living on a street and all of a sudden God moves into a house that's been for sale. God sets up home in amongst us. We get to experience what life is supposed to be like with him as our neighbour. There's this sense of us being his family, though. God is our God. We're his people. And so more than that, this sense of dwelling together, living together, sharing life together. This beautiful picture of all tears being wiped away. When I think about that, I think about this tender image of a parent wiping away the tears of their child after something bad happens. So whether that's that they've had a fall and they've hurt themselves or they've been really scared of something, it's this beautiful image of kind of wiping the tears away and saying, it's okay, it's all over now, it's all finished, everything's going to be okay. That's the picture that we have of what God is like for us. No more death, no more grief, no more mourning, no more pain. Amazing to think about what that would be like. <laughs> no more pain, never hurting anymore. Physically, emotionally, never being in pain. Isn't that an extraordinary picture? No grief, no sadness. It's amazing to think about. But this picture is actually what we saw right at the very beginning of God's story. This is the picture of what the garden was like. Humanity living at peace in a right, full, complete relationship with God this tender intimacy in our relationship with God. No pain, no suffering, no shame, no brokenness, everything the way that it was supposed to be. So we have this beautiful picture of what life was designed to be that we understand is what life is going to be at the end of all time. What's fascinating though, and we talked about this a little bit with the kids, is what our normal pictures of heaven are like. 
Because for most of us, when we think about heaven, our initial thoughts are probably something like this picture. Little angel babies with wings and harps playing. (laughs) Maybe some kind of stone concrete monuments, clouds being up in the sky. That's what we often have as a reference point when we think about what heaven is going to be like. And what's really fascinating is that most of that picture is not in the Bible. That's staggering, actually, when you think about how much this has become normal for us in our understanding of heaven. And most of that is not actually a picture that we see, certainly of all of that being together. There are images about clouds, but normally that's about Jesus coming on the clouds when he returns. So it's not about this is what heaven's like, it's about when Jesus comes back, he'll come from the clouds. When we think about heaven as being the sky, it's because that was what the understanding was of people in biblical times, that the heavens was the sky, that area up above us, which obviously has clouds in it, but it was just this understanding that God's not here, God's somewhere else. So let's just think about it as that. There are references to angels playing harps, especially in Revelation, but it's only a couple of references, and they're about some very specific moments and some specific reasons why they're playing harps. But this idea that our future is us all becoming little angel babies with wings who play harps sitting on clouds all the time is not actually something that we find in Scripture at all. The images that we have of heaven are far more like this. And Jesus in particular has a lot to say about it. Jesus says in John 14, 2, that he's going to prepare a house for us. This beautiful image of the idea of this gigantic mansion that we all get to live in together. I kind of think about the idea of going away together on this awesome holiday where we get to stay in this huge hotel. We all get to live together and hang out together and have fun together. Jesus says, I go to prepare a room for you to get that ready in God's massive big house. Jesus spends a lot of time talking about feasting, which is really exciting and really great. That That's a picture of what the kingdom of heaven is like, this idea of us being able to eat together and drink together and laugh together. Isaiah also talks about that, this feast that is all of the best food, all of the best wine, all of the best drink, being able to sit together and eat together as family is a picture of what we have, of what heaven is like. Isaiah also talks about it being a place of peace. Isaiah talks about the idea that all of the weapons of war are turned into farming equipment. So all of the things that are normally used for conflict and battle are used to help things grow and to help things to flourish. It's a beautiful picture. But he also talks about the idea of wild animals being able to live together in harmony. This is where we get the idea of the lion and the lamb being able to lie down together. It's a beautiful picture of peace and harmony. We do have this image that we just read about the new Jerusalem, this idea of a city. And Jerusalem, for those who were around at the time, was one of the biggest cities around. And so you think about this thriving metropolis where everyone gets to, again, live and do life together and share this sense of excitement and a buzz that we experience in big cities. That's one of the images that we have as well. Jesus also says in one of his final words when he's hanging on the cross and he has the criminal next to him, he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And when I think about paradise, I don't think of sitting on a cloud. I think about sitting on a beautiful tropical island with a sandy beach and the sun out and palm trees, a nice gentle breeze, drink in hand. That's the idea of paradise. 
these are the pictures that we have in Scripture of what this restoration is going to look like. It's beautiful and powerful and so amazingly rich. This is where we're heading. That should give us a sense of excitement about what the end of the story is. But what we have to be careful about is that we can make that the full extent of what the end of the story is all about. That between what we looked at in episode 5, Satisfied, and episode 7, is kind of almost this holding pattern. And sometimes God's story has been summed up kind of like this. God made us, we sinned and turned our backs on God. Jesus came and did everything necessary to fix that. And if you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour, you will get to go to heaven when you die. That's a fairly common understanding of what God's story has been laid out as. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. We've touched on all of those different things as we've gone through this series. The problem is that it's not quite enough. And here's the reason why. I'm always challenged when I think about that, that if that's the case, then why don't we just go to heaven the minute that we accept Jesus? If life is all about discovering that Jesus died for us, and if we accept Jesus, then we go to heaven, then what is the in-between bit all about? Why don't we just go straight to heaven and get what we've been given when we accept Jesus? Part of it is what we talked about last week, that God has a purpose for all of us, and that's to help other people to discover this message, that if all of us just, boom, instantly went up to heaven, the minute that we accepted Jesus, there'd be no one left here to tell other people about Jesus. <laughs> so part of why we're here is so that we can continue to be the message bearers who help others to discover this message. But Jesus actually says some other stuff that's very, very radical that challenges us about the reality that we don't have to wait to experience all of this. We can experience it in the here and now. Here's a few of the things that Jesus said. In Luke chapter 17, some Pharisees came to Jesus and they asked when the kingdom of God would come. And so they're effectively saying, okay, Jesus, when is the kingdom, if you're the Messiah, when are you going to come and overthrow the Romans and re-establish Israel, effectively set up the new Jerusalem so that we're the most dominant nation on earth? When is the kingdom going to come? When is that restoration going to happen? And Jesus' answer was, the kingdom of God doesn't come in such a way as to be seen. No one will say, look, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. This is radically challenging for us, that this isn't about something external that's going to happen. Jesus is actually saying, no, the kingdom, life the way that God created it, is established in the here and now. It's actually available within you. Whenever you choose to make decisions that are aligned with God's best, that's you living out the kingdom. It's not something you have to wait for. You can experience it today. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus prays these words that are very, very familiar to us. Our Father in heaven, may your holy name be honoured. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those are words that many of us have prayed many, many times. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do we actually think about the implications of what we're saying there? Jesus is challenging us to say, God, we want what happens in heaven to happen on earth now. That's our desire, is that we can align ourselves with living your way so much that we can experience heaven here on earth. Make that a reality. 
In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus sums up what his message is this way. Turn away from your sins because the kingdom of heaven is near. Other translations talk about the kingdom being at hand or the kingdom being here. So turn away from your sins, from your selfish way of living. Turn away from living any other way except the way that God created you and focus on living the way that God created you to live because the kingdom, life the way that it's supposed to be, is available in the here and now. And in Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus sent his disciples out, he gave them the same instructions. Go and preach the kingdom of heaven is near. And so for Jesus, it's clear that our understanding is, regardless of what exactly heaven looks like, we can simply understand it this way, that heaven is us experiencing life the way that God wants it to be. If heaven is that place where God is, then heaven is that place where God's way of life is experienced 100% of the time. We can all agree that's what heaven is, regardless of whether there are clouds, are mansions, are feasts or not. But... If Jesus has done everything necessary for us to experience God's way of life, that means all of that is, is available to us in the here and now. Just let that sit for a moment. Everything that we think about God's way of life, everything that we're hoping for and yearning for that's going to happen at the end of time is available to us today. Right now, this week, we have the opportunity to experience all of those things. So this means that death isn't something that we need to be afraid of. Often we feel afraid of death because we feel like it's the end of us experiencing life here. But in actual fact, if we look at it the other way and say God's way of life is what we're going to experience 100% of the time in heaven and God's opened that way to us now, that should give us a sense of excitement that the best of what we experience now, which is what life's going to be like all the time, is going to continue. And so far from death being something that we have to be afraid of, it's something that we can almost kind of look forward to. All those things that we yearn and crave for are going to open up to us. But we know that that's not what our experience is now. And so this is where the paradox and the tension kicks in. We understand what it's supposed to be like in the future. We can kind of understand, okay, we're supposed to be able to experience that now, but we don't. All of us know that as we talk about this idea of experiencing 100% of God's life, that's not what our experience is. We experience brokenness, hurt, pain, sadness, shame, all of these things in the here and now. And so there's this tension that's created by the now and the not yet. This reality that we are supposed to experience all that God's got for us, but we also know we're not. And so there's kind of this gap and this difference. But every now and again we're reminded of what that's going to be like. We catch these glimpses in our best moments. Those moments when we're sitting down by the beach, the sun is setting, it's a beautiful evening, everything's calm. It's a sense of us just saying, this is what life is supposed to be all about. Those moments where we sit around the table with a group of people that we love, whether that's family or friends, people that we're close with, we've just had a beautiful meal, our bellies are full, we kind of sit back, just enjoy the sense we've got this company. This is the way that life is supposed to be. When we see someone reach out and care for somebody else with no other motivation other than I just want to help that person, there's something in us that says that's the way life is supposed to be. When we see people being generous, helping each other, 
It's a sense of us saying, this is what life is supposed to be. There's all these glimpses that we have all the time. Oh, yeah, that's what it's supposed to be. That's what the end of the story is going to be like all of the time. We do get to experience it now. N.T. Wright talks about those as being echoes. This beautiful picture of this idea that when those things happen here and now, we're kind of catching an echo of what eternity is going to be like. So as we wrap up our message, as we wrap up this series, we're going to have the same question that we've been using throughout to reflect on as we head into this week. How does God's story shape my identity and my purpose? How does this part of God's story shape who I am and why I'm here? And specifically, I want to ask that question this way this week. How can I help people experience heaven on earth? If Jesus has done everything necessary for us to be able to experience heaven on earth, God's way of life in the here and now, then what does it look like for us to be able to give people a taste of that, to experience that ourselves? Using that imagery of echoes is really helpful because an echo requires two things. It requires an initial sound, whether that's someone yelling or someone clapping, but it also requires something for that echo to bounce off of. The sound has happened. The noise has happened. Jesus has come and has shown us what eternity is going to be like. Jesus has done everything necessary for that. The initial noise has been made. The question is, are we willing to be the surface that that bounces off of? Are we willing to be the echo that people get to hear where they suddenly say, that's the way life is supposed to be? Practically speaking, what does that look like? Well, for us as a church family, we talk about being spiritual family. This idea of wanting to be the best version of what family can be, a place where people feel accepted, loved, embraced, a place where people know that they can be themselves. So when we do that well, when we have the opportunity to get together for a Wednesday dinner and to eat together and spend time hanging out together, that's giving people a taste of what life is going to be like. That's an echo. When we take the time to call out the beauty that we see around us, When we take the time to stop long enough to say, look at how the light is reflecting off the clouds in a beautiful sunset. When we take the time to say, listen to that piece of music and how much it moves you. Watch that film, see how much it impacts you. Look at that piece of art, see how much it moves you. When we call out beauty, we're helping people to hear echoes. When we take the time to share, to be generous, to be overly generous, to help out those in need. We're being echoes. When we take the time to celebrate the things that are important in life, milestones that people go through, things that really, really matter, when we stop long enough to celebrate those things well, we're being echoes. When we take the time to offer forgiveness to people, rather than perpetuating brokenness, when we take the time to break those walls down, to restore relationships, we're helping people to identify echoes. We talked last week about being peace creators. When we act as peace creators, we're being echoes. And that word peace is what we've used throughout this series. It's what God's original design was for us, is that we would be able to live at peace, to be able to live at peace with him, with each other, with creation. That's what God's original design was. Jesus has come to do everything necessary 
for us to see what that looks like, the presence of God, the peace of God with us, to show us how to live as people of peace. Jesus has shown us what that looks like. Through his death and resurrection, he's done everything necessary to bring us peace, to restore our relationship with God, to say you are now friends with God. Peace has been restored there. But he didn't do it through violence and power. He did it by serving and sacrifice. And then coming away from Jesus' resurrection, there are these communities of peace that are set up. The early church, these little groups of people who were living out what it means to be peace creators. And that's what the church is supposed to be when we're at our best. That's our mandate as a community of people that are centred around Jesus, is to be people of peace, people who help others to experience God's peace. One day, we will get to experience that 100% of the time. We all yearn for and long for that. We all hope for that. But in the meantime, we have the privilege of being able to be peace creators in the here and now, to give people a taste, to help them hear the echoes of what we're going to experience for eternity. The world around us is craving that so desperately. And our message is not just about being in a holding pattern, accept Jesus as your saviour, and then one day you'll get to experience that. Our message and what we get to live out together is what that looks like in the here and now. So as we wrap up our series, I'm going to pray that God would continue to challenge us about what it looks like for us to accept that and embrace that in our lives, but also for us to be peace creators, people who help others to hear those echoes of eternity. Let's pray. God, we thank you that in some ways your story is so simple. You created us to be in a relationship with you. You've done everything necessary for us to be in a relationship with you. And now we get to live that way. And at some point in the future, that's what our experience will be for eternity. But then we can zoom out. And as we've done throughout this series, we can look at each of the different episodes of how that story has unfolded. And there's so much more for us to learn. And then as we zoom in even further on each of those episodes, there's even more for us to unpack and to learn. And we thank you that that's the story of our lives, that it's not about us getting this simple thing understood and then just kind of wait until we die. But our whole lives are about following you, Jesus, understanding more and more about the staggering implications that you come to show us what God is like in all of God's fullness that you come to show us how to live lives of peace. You come to show us how to live by what the original design was. We thank you that you've done everything necessary for us to experience that in the here and now. We thank you for those moments that we have where we hear those echoes, where we have those moments where we can say, yes, that's what life is supposed to be all about. And so in those moments as we head into this week, as we have those little tastes, those little glimpses of what eternity is going to be like, I pray that you would remind us again about how amazing it is that you've given us an open door to walk into that. But you would also challenge us about the reality that in the here and now, day by day, relationship by relationship, and all the experiences that we have as we go through this week, in our interactions with our neighbours, with our families, with our friends, as we go to work, as we go to school, as we go to uni, in all the different places that we go, 
we have the opportunity to help others have a taste of what heaven is like, a taste of what life is supposed to be like when it's lived the way that you created us to live. As we move away from this series, help us not to lose focus on that, but to be excited about the opportunities that you open up in front of us, the opportunities that we have today, tomorrow, throughout this week to experience your life, your love, your peace in every moment. We thank you for the privilege that that is. We're excited to see where it takes us in the days and weeks and months ahead. In your name we pray. Amen.